0: And you may be seated. How many of you wonderful, good-looking, amazing people are ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready? I am so glad, honestly, that you're here today. And a shout-out welcome to our online church, people in our city, country, around the world who have joined in today, we welcome you. We are in our final sermon of our April sermon series called Lies We Believe. And we began on the first Sunday focusing on when you feel like a failure. And we looked at that amazing story of, of the fishermen out in the boat trying to catch fish all night. And if you missed that message, you can pull it up online. There's some notes there. You can watch it, listen to it, download it. Two weeks ago, before Easter, we looked at the original six, the original six lies that the devil throws at us, and we studied from the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden, and if you missed that, go online. I believe it will challenge you and help you. Well, today, everybody say today. I said everybody say today. We are going to look at the most practical message in this sermon series. And I honestly believe, as we unpack the teaching today, it's going to help you greatly. And so today, I want you to to pull out your Bible. And we're going to look in a moment at 1 Thessalonians 5. I want to talk to you today about winning the battle for your mind. Winning the battle for your mind. And I want to say, at the very beginning of this message, there is a battle that is raging in the spiritual realm. And the battles of life are won or lost in the mind. They really are. They are won or they are lost in in your mind. And I've discovered that my life and, and your life is always moving strongly in the direction of your strongest thoughts in your mind. You know, let's be honest. You cannot have a good life when you've got bad thoughts. You've got to get control of your thoughts. And, and your life is moving really strongly and powerfully in the direction of the strongest thoughts that are gripping your mind. And so we're going to unpack some scriptures today. And I believe God wants to say something today. I believe God wants to do something today. I believe God wants to bring healing to our minds today. Somebody say amen to that. I believe that God wants to take the scripture and bring it to life. So let's start. I want you to pull out your Bible and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look today at a lot of scriptures that the Apostle Paul wrote. This is the guy that wrote over half the New Testament. And he lived a life that was honest and real. He's the guy that said, the very things I want to do, I don't do. And the very things I don't want to do, I do. And there was battles going on in his mind. And he was so real and honest. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, here's a foundational verse. May God himself, the God of peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. The God of shalom sanctify you, sanctify means to make you complete, make you whole, through and through means in every area, now note this, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul put the order here very specifically, he said spirit, soul, body, now I know what the world teaches, body, soul, spirit, but God said spirit, soul, body, and there's a big word, it's trichotomy. And trichotomy means that we are three parts. You have a spirit. You actually are a spirit being. And that's why Paul said absent from the body means present with the Lord. When you die as a believer, your spirit being goes to be with the Lord. I am a spirit, and I have a soul, and I actually live in a body. My body is what you see. And I tell you, we got some boys and girls in this place that draw pictures of me on Sunday, and they, they give me pictures. And Pastor, I drew a picture of you. You were up there preaching, and I just want to say to you, as parents, tell your kids it's okay to put a little hair on my head. All right? <laughs> and uh, there's not a lot that they do with that. But your body is what you see. You, you, your, your physical being. Your spirit is your spirit being. It's your God connection. That's what goes. That's what goes to heaven. But your soul. Everybody say soul. Your soul is your mind, your soul is your feelings, and your soul is your, your will. It's your intellect, it's your feelings, it's your will. Your soul is your thinking process, your soul is your feeling process. And that free will, that choosing process, and you need to hear me, the enemy, the enemy plays havoc on your soul being. Because when you come to Christ, he can't tamper with the spirit being. You can't have a demon in you when you've got Christ in you. You are guarded and you are protected with Jesus. You've got the spirit in you. And the same spirit that God the Father raised from Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's in you when you're a believer. Somebody say amen to that. And so the devil can't tamper with your spirit being, but I I can't explain this. He can't read your mind. He cannot read what you're thinking, but he can affect your thought life. And you know that's true. Because some of you got up this morning and anxiety and fear gripped you. And some of you have got got no shalom right now, but you got fear gripping you. Or you got thoughts, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I can't trust people, I can never get over what I went through. And so the devil has a battle going on in your mind. But we're going to see scriptures today to find victory in the Lord. Somebody say amen. Because, Because God the Father, the shalom, the God of peace, Wants to make you complete and sanctify you through and through in spirit, soul, and body. And so we're going to talk today about the soul. I want to give you four practical truths that we're going to unpack. And I'm just praying that God would just take these truths and, and just bring it to life. So number one, I want you to write this, you know, it's number one. How, how can you win the battle for your mind? Number one, change your mind. you got to change your mind. you got to renew your mind. you got to have a change in your mind. And so I want to take you to a scripture that talks about change in your mind, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And Paul was writing to a church in Corinth, and the Corinthian people were messing with his mind. They were saying to him, Hey, dude, you kind of show up and you're really timid to us face to face, but when you're far away from us, you're so bold. And they even went so far to say that you're, you're, you're not all that good looking, you're unimpressive, and your preaching is not all that good. And it was playing on his mind. So Paul wrote these words to a church in Corinth, and we're going to pick it up in verse 3. And I want you to notice in verse 3 down to verse 5, he unpacks some powerful thoughts here in verse 3 all the way down to verse 5. And the first thing he tells us, for though we live, we live in the world. Number one, we live in the world. You are in this world We live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't fight the way the world does, we don't use the world's weapons, but we live in the world, we live in the world. Look at verse 4. The weapons we fight, number one, we live, number two, we fight. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, look at this, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So the first thing we understand is we live, we live in this world, number two, we fight. But we don't fight the way the world fights, but we've got weapons that have divine power. Now, divine means supernatural. You put God in the picture, and nothing is impossible, right? Now, the Greek word for power is dunamis, and we get the English word dynamite. So, you put the supernatural dynamite, now look at this, to demolish strongholds. And the Greek word for demolish means to obliterate, it means to crush, it means to disintegrate. It's like it's there. And now it's down to powder. Now here's the word I want to zero in on. It's the Greek word for strongholds. I won't, I won't give you the Greek word, but I'll tell you what it means. A stronghold is an ancient word that means a fortified prison. A fortified prison. And, and, and here's what Paul is doing. He's taking a Greek word that means a fortified prison, and he's comparing it to the soul, to the mind. And what Paul was saying, there are people who are in a prison in their mind to the deceptive lies that the devil is throwing at you. And you're locked in a prison by the lie of the devil. But then Paul says, we live, we fight. We don't use the world's weapons. We've got supernatural power to obliterate, demolish, crush, bring to dust those lies that we are in prison. Now some of you today, you are locked in a prison by a lie of the devil in your mind. And I'm here to say to you that the battles of life are won or lost in the mind. You cannot live a good life by having bad thoughts. How you think affects how you live. And today we're believing that King Jesus is gonna demolish some strongholds in our minds today and crush them and obliterate them and remove them supernaturally so that we can, come on, I'm preaching now, so we can live in a freedom in Jesus Christ. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate the Lord. So look at, look at verse 5, now look at the screen. We demolish, he says the word demolish again, obliterate, crush, bring to dust. We demolish arguments. Now, arguments comes from a Greek word that means reasonings, but I love the next one, imaginations. I mean, the devil gets you to think things that aren't true, and you begin to imagine it, but your imagination becomes your reality, and your perception becomes your reality, but it's not real. What you see and what you think is not always true, am I right? What you see and what you think is not always true, but the devil tricks you to think that it's true. You're a failure. You're a loser. You're not going to get over this. You're not fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not going to, and the devil just breathes that lie, and it's, it's in your imagination, So he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension. Now I studied the Greek word for pretension and it means an unsupportable false claim. I love that. Can I say that again? An unsupportable false claim. It's not true. It's got no legs to it. It's got no foundation to it. It's false, but the devil tricks you and you think, it's, you think it's true. We demolish arguments, every pretension, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. against <laughs> the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I'm going to jump ahead because we're in these verses. And I just want to tell you what I learned this week about taking captive. Taking captive. I studied the Greek word take captive. And it means to seize... To seize or arrest something with the use of a sword or a spear. Hold on to that. I'm going to take you somewhere in a couple of moments. To seize or arrest something with the use of a sword or a spear. I can't, I, I can't hold it in. How many people know that the word of God is the sword of the spirit? I, I, can't, I can't hold it in. I just got to tell you right now. <laughs> How do you demolish the strongholds how do you get yourself out of the prison in your mind that the devil has locked you in? How do you, how do you supernaturally crush it and remove it? By using the supernatural weapon of the sword, of the spirit, of the word of God. You bring it into captivity. So here's my question. What lie? What is the biggest stronghold in your life? Now, I've got to tell you something. From my experience, often... The stronghold that's locked you is something that goes way back to your childhood. And I meet people all the time that they they were raised in a harsh environment where daddy was harsh, daddy was cruel, he never spoke life, daddy was absent, daddy this, daddy that. And the devil has tricked you to transpose your relationship of earthly dad that you think that's how heavenly dad is like. And it's created a stronghold in your mind. Or something happened when you're younger and anxiety has gripped your life or fears gripped your life, or, or, or lonely, I don't know what it is, but something went down younger in life, and the devil brings it to a magnified proportion, and what started small became big. It matured, and it became an adult stronghold in your life. Is this making sense this morning? There's teenagers here, there's young adults here, there's, there's seniors here, and everyone in this room has a level of of a fortified place that the devil is playing havoc in your mind. And we're going to believe today that God Almighty is going to demolish those strongholds in the name of Jesus. So uh, come on, put your hands together and celebrate the Lord. I really believe God God is going to do something so big and so cool. So how do you change your life? You change your thoughts. You got to change your mind. You got to reprogram. You got to rewire. You got to renew your mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think begins to be lived out in your life. Your thoughts will affect your life. Your life is moving in a direction by the strongest thoughts that are gripping your mind. How you think will affect your relationships, it'll affect your life, it'll affect your decisions, it'll affect how you go about life. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let me give you Romans 12, verse 2. Paul writes to a church in Rome. says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And the Greek word for pattern means pathway. Here's what goes down. When the devil plays on your mind, it formulates this, this ingrained thinking that takes over and becomes your default mechanism. I mean, I'm, I'm not the most computer-skilled guy. I'm always calling Pastor Brad, come down to my office, bail me out, dude. I don't know what I'm doing. And, but, but I've learned when I go to push print, it always goes to the default printer. Right, Sharon, you are trying to help me with this, and it went to the default printer. You've got a default mechanism in your mind that you will go back to always that's ingrained in your mind. And we got to allow Holy Spirit, by the power of Jesus, to put a new pathway in our mind so we don't go back to that bad thinking, but we go back to and we go to the good thinking of God. Now look at the screen again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And the Greek word for transform, it almost is metamorphosis metamorphosis I mean you know you know you know the drill you know the whole idea of the butterfly thing and the metamorphosis thing and you you studied that before and it's 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 a change it's a complete change by the renewing or the renewing means the reprogramming the rewiring the the refreshing the, the changing of your mind now notice this is that then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is as good as his pleasing and His perfect will. The reason why some of you today can't discern God's will for your life and you can't live a life that is good is because your mind needs to be renewed. And I believe today that God is saying to the house that He wants to change our mind. So I want you to, to, to put a name to it, a name it. You've got you to define it. You can't defeat what you've not yet defined. You've got to define what is that stronghold. I came from a family background where worry has gripped my mom. My mom had a nervous breakdown. My mom spent time in the hospital. When she was a young uh, mom, I remember as a young child that my grandma died of cancer and fear began to grip my mom. And she would look into the mirror, and she would see growths all over her face. And she'd be always crying. And it was, the pastor was always over at her house. And that was my upbringing. And so I've discovered, because of that, fear and anxiety can even grip my mind. So I've identified, and I've defined it, and i put a name to my stronghold. But here's what you do. Don't just name your stronghold. Name the truth of God that speaks against that stronghold. That's the sword of the Spirit. So when fear grips me, I say, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I name the stronghold. You've got to define it before you defeat it. You can't defeat what you don't know is there. And I'm praying that Holy Spirit would help you to define the stronghold that has imprisoned you today, and then you're going to line it up under the word of God, and we're going we're to bring it in captivity, seized by force. We're going to take the spear, the sword of the spirit, and we're going to line the lie up under, under the word of God. I mean, the devil lies to you, but God speaks truth about you. Did you get that? The devil lies to you, but God speaks truth about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's got plans to prosper you and bless you. You are not a failure. You are not a mistake. You're a child of the living God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power of the Spirit that is in you. Come on, church. We've got to name it. We've got to name it and define it, and then we defeat it by bringing it in captivity to the Word of God. That's how your mind is changed. Wow. Whew. Hebrews, John, chapter eight, verse thirty-two. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, some of you, you're in a room. Have you ever gone somewhere? I've had this experience where I got there and said, "Oh man!" I went somewhere and said, "Oh, it's locked. I can't even get in there." But I didn't try the door. I just assumed that it was locked. And then later on, I discovered that it wasn't locked, and I've been waiting all this time to go into a place, and the door was open, unlocked, and I thought it was locked. You ever had that experience? It's embarrassing. And some of you today, you think that you've got to stay locked in that fortified stronghold of the lie of the devil. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus has already opened the door, it's your choice. Don't stay locked in a lie of deception when Jesus has opened the door for freedom. Whomsoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Now look at Hebrews 4 verse 12. We're painting a picture here. For the word of God is alive and active. Do you believe that? If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. I said if you believe that, shout amen. Amen. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's got sharpness to it. That's why, how do you take captive the lies? You seize it by force with a sword. That's what the Greek means. We take the word of God. Notice this. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. You see, the writer to the Hebrews, which was probably Paul, understands that the soul and the spirit are different. You're a body, you're a soul, you're a spirit. I'm a spirit being, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And Paul says here that the, that the word of God gets into our soul and our spirit, our joints and our marrows, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our life. And so, number one, I want you to get this in your spirit. you got to change your mind. But there's is number two. Number two is the hard work, but this is the good work. Train your mind. Now, I'm a gym guy. For those of you who've walked the journey with me for a number of years, I was pudgy I had chins. I was 50 pounds heavier. I was out of shape. When we got married, I was 139 pounds. The problem was Evelyn was such a good cook. It's all her fault that I gained weight. I used to play hockey. I started to coach hockey. I started to watch hockey on TV. And then I got to the point where I slept through hockey when I'm trying to watch it on TV. <laughs> I go to the gym six days a week, run two miles a day on a treadmill. And I've learned to train my body. And I'm now in a mode that when I show up, I just do it. The biggest part of of getting physically fit, half the battle is getting to the gym. But I learned not just what I do, it's what goes in my mouth, right? I can run two miles in the gym, but if I eat pecan pie three times a day and slug down bottles of Coke all day, it ain't going to work. How many people know what I'm talking about? You got, you got, what are you putting in? You got, you got, you got to train it. You got to, you got to, you got to train it. You just, you just got to train it. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever made a decision in life that was so irrational and it made no sense and it led you to a stupid, wrongful, bad thing? Anybody ever done that? Anybody? Ten of you are honest. The rest of you, please polish the halo that's on your head because you're such perfect, wonderful people. I, I have. I've done some irrational things. I let my mind make me do stuff that doesn't make sense, and I've had to learn that I've got to train my mind. Got to train my mind. They say that when you do something often enough, it becomes a habit, and it becomes ingrained in you. You see, when you train... The default where you said, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, nothing's going to change, life isn't good, life is horrible. You've got to train and renew your mind by the power of the Spirit, and you've got to keep doing it, and eventually it's going to become a pattern. Now, you're going to have setbacks. Now, some people go, Pastor, I did this, but it didn't go well on Monday. Well, get up and keep training so that Tuesday's better than Monday. You get me on this? you got to keep You're going to make three steps forward, but you're going to take two steps back, but you're still ahead. You got it? This is the principle of discipleship. Everybody wants deliverance. Lord, just set me free. Don't make me work for it. But God goes, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. I can set you free, but I want you to work hard in your spiritual journey. So I I want to read to you Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul is writing to a church in Philippi. And he's teaching us here that our thoughts shape you. You, 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 you can't control what you think. If you, if you can't control what you think, you're not going to control what you do. And so you got to learn to control what you think. And so here's what he said in Philippians 4, verse 8. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing Fix your thoughts. I love the way it says that in the New Living Translation. Fix means focus your thoughts. And it actually means keep on fixing. Keep on focusing your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about, and, and the Greek we're here, think about, has actually been translated Meditate on the things, meditate on the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so meditation, sometimes we get freaked out by it because we think of Eastern thinking, you know, and we think we got to empty our mind. But scriptural meditation is not emptying your mind, it's filling your mind with things of God. And meditation, scripturally and spiritually speaking, is a mental, it's a mental exercise where you gotta keep focusing your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, and you gotta keep thinking these things. Remember, you can't have a positive life if you've got a negative mind. And you gotta keep meditating on this. So look at Psalm 119.15, I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I'll tell you a secret, I'll tell you a secret, and I do this all the time, I'm a reader of God's word. Not just reader of God's words, I speak God's word. And I don't just speak God's word, I write God's word. So I get the word of God, and I speak it, I read it, I write it, I pray over it, and I confess it until I believe it. Did you get that? You got to read it, write it, pray it, and confess it until you believe it. I'll tell you right now, you can can train your mind to have a new default that is a God default by reading the word, praying the word, writing the word, speaking the word, confessing the word until you actually believe the word. Some I'm preaching better than your shouting, amen. I think I'm just preaching to myself right now. Now here's your option believe the lie of the devil. And there's many of you today, you're believing the lie of the devil. You've got to pull out the sword of the Spirit. You've got to read it, pray it, write it, confess it, until it gets into your spirit being and you believe it. And you know it. And then you'll begin to live it. And so when the devil says, you're a failure, you're a loser, you go, no way, man. I'm a child of the living God. I'm fearfully, I'm wonderfully made. God's not giving me the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound. God is for me. Who can't be against me? Some of you are chained to the lies of your past. And I believe Jesus is going to set you free from that stronghold today, because we're going to line it up by the word of God. And whomsoever the Son sets free is free indeed but you gotta train it. You got to do it every day. You got to get up in the morning. You got to. You got to night. You've got to keep training. You got to keep working at it. Don't show up on Sunday and let me feed you spiritually and think this is your spiritual fix for the week. Nah, 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 nah. Every single day, chomp on the living word of God and let your mind be renewed and trained so that you say it, you write it, you you, you confess it until you believe it and it gets into your spirit. Be some. Somebody, somebody, somebody shout amen. Wow. Psalm one forty three five, I remember the days of long ago I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. The first thing you gotta do, you gotta change your mind. Renew it. Number two, and this is the hard work, you gotta train it until it becomes a pattern, until the default becomes the God thing. And so the lie is not what you go back to, but the truth is what you live in. The devil lies to you, but God speaks truth over you. Are you hearing me? The devil can't read your mind, but he can affect your thoughts. So you got to renew it, rewire it by the power of Jesus. Is this making sense? Now I take you to number three. Number three, I've had to learn this. Reframing your mind reframing your mind. I mean, the more we think a thought, the more our brain begins to accept it. But I've discovered, and this is a big word, and it's, 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 a, it's a psychological word, but I need to explain it. They call it cognitive bias, cognitive bias. And cognitive bias is like a mental filter in your brain of how you look at life. Because of your beliefs, now that's important. Because of your preferences, that's important. And then number three, because of your life experiences. And what worries me, there's many of you that your cognitive bias is because of your life experience. And it's tainted your life filter. It's discolored your filter. And you're looking at life through the cognitive bias of what you've gone through in life. And that's become your filter. That's become how you're, how you're looking at life. It's how you're, how you're framing your life, how you're, how you're seeing life. And, and, you know, you can't, my mom and dad told me this for years, Mark, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to what happens to you. You ever met somebody that they can never see the positive at all? Maybe you're married to someone like that. I mean, oh, Oh, it's so cold out. This weather's awful. I'm shaking hands at the door today, and I'm making light of it. I said, I've just booked an appointment with my mechanic. They said, what for? To get my snow tires back on. <laughs> yeah. You got, you, got to, you got to reframe it, because your life experience distorts and discolors how you look at life. Now, let's go to Paul. Paul the guy who wanted to get to Rome, I want to go to Rome. I want to get there. I think he thought he would get on a WestJet plane and get there and get a nice meal and have a direct flight. I know they didn't have planes back then. But he finally got to Rome. I mean, the guy's beaten, flogged, shipwrecked, finally gets to Rome, and he's in prison. Not the way I want to get there, but I got there. I mean, it's, it's not good. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all bad, and he, he could have said he could have said, "Life is horrible. Life is awful. Life is terrible. I mean, we, we can look at all the negative glory to God and the highest and stress and anxiety on Earth. We can, we can look at all the negative. Paul didn't, Paul didn't, Paul didn't. I want to read Philippians 1, verse 12, 13, and 14. Look at this. He's writing to the church of Philippi. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I mean, come on, the devil tried to destroy me, but I'm telling you, what's happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Look at verse 13. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in change for Christ. I'm told every eight hours, a new guard was chained to him. Can you imagine if you're the guard and you're chained to Paul? Paul didn't talk hockey. He didn't talk weather. He didn't talk about putting his snow tires on. He kept talking about Jesus. He's got this guy chained to him for eight hours and he's winning the guards to Jesus. Come on, isn't that cool? He's going, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna change my perspective. And he's, as a result, he's become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I'm in chains of Christ. Look at verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I mean, this dude is just going all out, and he's creating his own lens, his own filter, his own framework. We need to look through a God frame. We need to see that God is still working. You ever hear about the little boy that went in his backyard. We'll call him Johnny. And Johnny's got his baseball and his bat, and he's in the backyard, and he stands up, and his mom's in the kitchen. She hears him, and he goes, I am the best hitter in the world. I'm the best batter in the world. And so Johnny takes the ball, and he throws the ball up in the air, and he swings, and he misses. He says, oh, well, even the best batter in the world will miss from time to time. And he threw the ball up again, and he missed again. And he said, oh, wow, even the best batters in the world missed two times. Then he threw the ball up one more time, and he swung with all he's got, and he missed it again. And he said, wow, not only am I the best batter in the world, I'm the best pitcher in the world. I just struck out the best batter in the world. Come on, man, isn't that good? You gotta change your thinking. You gotta focus on the good. You gotta get the stinking thinking out of your mind. If you don't change your mind, you're going to have a bad life. You want a good life? You need good thinking. You need to rewire, renew your mind, train your mind according to the word of God. God is not out to get you. He's been for you long before you were born. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord. Woo! You got to reframe it. And then number four. And I'm going to leave you with this. Guard your mind. You've got to protect your mind. You've got to protect it. Now I'm going to show you something that maybe you already know, but I think I need to reread it. Paul is writing to a church in, in Philippi. And even before I read these words, I want you to know that the, the book of Philippians is a book of joy. And it's a book of shalom. It's a book of peace. And Paul says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And present your request to God. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard or protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I believe that God wants to sweep his shalom over the house. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Look at verse 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Practice it. And the God of shalom will be with you. I'm to read you one more verse. I'm going to share you share very transparently a little story. And then we're going to open this altar. But Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now you may not know this, but in the ancient Hebrew, I don't know why in, in the NIV it says perfect peace because the ancient Hebrew doesn't say perfect. It says peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. How many people want a double portion of the shalom of God Almighty? He will keep in perfect peace. My mom was so gripped by fear that she was suicidal. So gripped by fear, but God set her free. But she learned she had to pray. I fast forward. I've battled fear and anxiety a lot of my life. And I've come a long ways. And some of you know this story, but there's many who don't know this story. It was in the early 90s. We were pastoring in Montreal. It was a Friday afternoon. I'm going to the bank. I'm putting my paycheck in. As I'm walking to the bank, I saw two guys outside. They looked really shady. And in my mind, I thought, do not judge them by how they look. I wished I did. I walked in the bank. They kicked in the door. They had guns. And I'm in a bank robbery. And I'm the only guy in the bank. And they put the gun to my head, got me down on the ground. And I got my wallet in my hand. I flick it out of my hand. I'm the only guy in the bank. It's all lady tellers. There's no guys. I'm sorry, there's one little boy with his mom, and they ripped off the bank, and I got up, and I went in task mode, and I'm swinging the door close, I'm trying to help people, they all went outside for a smoke, they were all a mess, and everyone's crying and freaking, the police come, and I called Ellen and said, hi honey, I'm going to be late for supper. Why are you going to be late for supper? I was in a bank robbery, stop kidding around. No, babe, I was in a bank robbery, and I'm laughing about it, but two days later, the fear gripped me. And I was so gripped by fear, I couldn't go to that bank for six months. I couldn't go to any bank for three months. And I'd get out of my car in the mornings, and I was judging people by the color of their skin and how they looked. And fear messed me up. And then, over time, I started training my mind, and I got free. But I'm now in Ottawa pastoring, and you won't believe this story. If you've never heard this story, it's going to sound like it's not true. But I promise you it's true. It's about 11 years ago, it's Thanksgiving weekend, I can remember it clearly, Evelyn and I had to go to a family wedding in Toronto, it's Thursday night, and I'm outside washing the vehicles, I'm in my shorts, rubber boots, washing the car, and a cube van pulls up in front of my house, and four or five, I don't remember how many, big boys with nylon stockings over their head jumped out, and they grabbed a guy on my street, and they put him in the cube van, and they took off, and I thought, oh my God. I just saw an abduction. And I ran to the door and I'm banging the door for Evelyn and I totally lost control. And Evelyn opens the door and I said, I just saw an abduction. I couldn't even say the word abduction. And I'm totally freaking out. And Jessica was really young. And so I got on the phone and I'm almost, this is gonna be a little embarrassing for me to share this, but Tim Armour's in the house and Tim was, Tim was the superintendent of the police. I called 911, I said, put me through to Superintendent Tim Armour now. I totally lost it because fear is irrational. Sir, we can't do that. What's the problem? I just witnessed a deduction. We locked Jessica in the bathroom, and I'm not lying. I've got my hand to the door, and I'm praying in tongues for God's protection. And then the guys came back to our house. What would you think? They're coming to get the witness. We got a partial license number. The police show up. Fast forward, Tim's wife Tammy is driving down Greenbank Road, unknown to what's going on, and she gets to the train tracks in Barhaven, and there's all these police cars surrounding a cube van, and they've got their guns to these four guys who are laying down like this. And she calls her husband Tim and says, You know what's going on? And He goes, I think I know the connection. <laughs> now, I eventually got through to Tim, and he said, Mark, did you hear any screaming? I, I didn't hear any screaming. And he knew something was wrong with this picture. Well, let me fast forward. The police bring the guys to my house. And they were Algonquin students in the police program. And they were doing an assignment for school without the blessing of their prof. And they're trying to find out what a local citizen would react to with a mock abduction. Now, I ask you. I ask you. If there's close to a million people in the greater Ottawa area, why me? Your pastoral team would say, if it could happen, it will happen to our pastor. But the next day, that ugly fear gripped me again. And I, I was a mess for months. I'm the first one to the church in the morning. I'd come in the parking lot and I'd be scared silly that someone was gonna jump me and abduct me. Isn't that stupid, but fear's irrational. I, I, I'd look at people and I'd see you, Wayne, i think, that guy's looking at me. What's he gonna do to me? I was afraid when I come home at night, that ugly fear that my mama had, I battled with. And then I said, I'm tired of this stronghold. I'm in a prison. To this fear that the devil's put me in. And I said, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna rewire my mind, I'm gonna rewire my brain, I'm gonna get my mind renewed, and I'm gonna let the supernatural divine power of Jesus crush that lie of the devil in Jesus' name. And I'm here to say to you, I'm not afraid of anybody in this place. I'm not I'm, I'm a child of the Living God. I'm no longer walking in fear, I'm walking in faith. And I want to declare over this house today that God Almighty wants to crumble and abolish and obliterate and bring to nothing the lies that the ugly devil has put you in a stronghold in. I'm tired of the strongholds of the devil. I just believe. That God Almighty wants to set us free. How many people want the freedom of the Lord in the house today? Come on. How many people want the freedom of God? Come on. Get on your feet. Come on, Brad. Come on up. Get on your feet. Father God, I'm praying right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that as we begin to sing, that the shalom, shalom of God cover our minds and guard us in Christ Jesus. So God, prayer needs not to be the last resort. It's got to be the first resort. So God, I've I've learned. I've got to bring the lies to you. I've got to define it before I can defeat it. And I need to line that stronghold up under the word of God because I'm tired of the devil lying to me and lying to my friends. I pray right now that you'd speak truth over this house in the name of Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The Spirit of the Lord is telling me right now that there's a whole bunch of you standing here. Something's happened in your life. Something's gone on in your life and the devil has caused that episode, that situation, that thing to get so out of proportion that it's, it's, it's magnified in your mind. It's become your cognitive bias. It's become your filter and God wants to take that filter out right now and give you a God filter in the name of Jesus. I just feel the Spirit of the Lord saying to me that there's a whole bunch of people in this place right now, right this very moment, young and senior, that you know, even as I say this, it's true, that the devil has been speaking lies over you. And there's a bit of a stronghold that's over your life, but you want to be free in the name of Jesus. Here's what I feel the Lord saying to me. And this is going to take some boldness. We're family. And I believe that there's people here right now that God's going to set free. If you know that there's a stronghold that's over your mind, and you don't want to walk out of this place any longer in prison to that deception, but you want to be free, it's worry, it's anxiety, it's loneliness. I'm a failure. I can't trust it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but right now, you can define it. But you want the divine power of God to defeat it. I want you to leave where you're standing right now. Come stand at this altar. Come on, you know who you are. There's a whole bunch of you this morning and I'm gonna wait you out because I believe that God wants to do something. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't care if you're a pastor or a board member. You've been a Christian for 40 years. Just let that pride be gone in the name of Jesus because I'll tell you right now, pride is a stronghold. Pride is a stronghold. And God's gonna bring a freedom over this place right now. There's, there's a lot more of you, and you know who you are. It's, it's, it's gripping you. It's gripping you. Come on, come on. We're gonna we're going we're going we're going we're, we're gonna do warfare this morning. We live, we fight, we demolish, we captivate, <laughs> we live, we fight, we demolish, we take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to the knowledge of God. So we're going to take out the word of the Lord. And we believe that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it's going to penetrate into your soul and your spirit. And freedom is going to reign in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you're standing at the front, lift your hands. All across this place, lift your hands as well. Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to pray that the windows of heaven would open over this place right now. And Brad, as you begin to sing this song, Champion, I just believe some walls, some strongholds are going to come down in the name of Jesus. So Father God, by simple Christ-like faith, childlike faith, I pray that you would move in this house right now, in this first service, and bring freedom to everyone in this place. I pray that the prison of deceptive lies would be broken. I pray you would kick open the door right now in the name of the Lord and you would flood the truth over these minds in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We're going to change our mind. We're going to change our mind. We're going to reframe our mind and you're going to guard our mind with the shalom of the living God. So I'm praying that there would be a dunamis divine power of God that would sweep right now. Come on, church, lift your voice. Brad, come on, lead us in this song. Let's let the Spirit of the living God do His work.
1: When I lift my voice and shout Every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority Jesus has given me when I open up my mouth Miracles start breaking out. I have the authority Jesus has given me When I lift my voice and shout
0: Celebrate our Lord all across this place. So, Father, I pray in these final moments that everyone that is standing at this altar would not walk out in prison by the deceptive lies. May they know that the door to their prison has already been kicked open by King Jesus. And we're not going to listen to the lie that the devil has spoken over us. We're going to listen to the truth that you are breathing over us right now. I pray, God, that the truth would cut into our spirit and our soul being. And I pray in the name of the Lord that we would listen no longer to the lie of the devil, but we would listen to the truth of the living God. And I pray that your shalom would cover everyone in this place. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted. I said nobody whispered. Everybody shouted. Amen. Now before you go, Ryan you're standing right here can I share about dad is that all right? we're hearing so many miracles what God is doing and here's another miracle Ryan's one of our board members and we start our board meetings praying for our board members and and, and any needs and Ryan said my dad's got cancer again all the levels are saying it's there it's back and we're not encouraged He's, he's nervous we prayed people prayed doctor went back at it and said what was there is not there It's God. It's God. It's God. It's God. This young adult right over here, lift your hands, buddy. Lift a hand. This this young adult right here had a brain tumor, and we had a prayer meeting last month, prayed for him, and when the doctor said was there, is no longer there. Come on, to God be the glory. God be the glory. Every week, people are telling us what God is doing. How many people believe God is up to something in this place? And we give Him the glory. And I, I just want to encourage you, if you can come tonight at 6 o'clock, we're, we, we don't have a big agenda. We just come and pray. And we let Holy Spirit just move in. And we just, we just bathe ourselves in prayer. and Come as a family at 6 o'clock. And I hope you can come. Prayer makes the difference. Prayer makes the difference. And if you're our guest, could we one more time thank all of our guests for coming today? Come on, just thank them. And I, I hope our guests will just go to the guest lounge. And, and I'm just going to close us in prayer. And I feel the Lord just saying to me, just close us in prayer. And so God, thank you so much for our time. And I pray that your hand would rest upon everyone in this place. I pray, God, that we would walk not in defeat, but we would walk in victory. We pray next Saturday, next Sunday, give us a powerful missions weekend. Amen. We pray, God, that you give us a week that is marked by your shalom. And I pray your hand upon everyone in this place. Give us a great day. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.